Thank you, Wayne. Great to be here. My sermon title is Relationship. As I read the Old Testament, it teaches me that the world is a mess. When I read the New Testament, it teaches me the world is a mess. When I read the Old Testament, it teaches me the world is a mess and needs a saviour. When I read the New Testament, it teaches me the world is a mess and it has a saviour. Both teach God is about sorting out the mess. Why is the world in a mess? Because human, the human inhabitants are a mess, corporately and individually. Isaiah 53, 6, we all like sheep have gone astray. Each has turned to his own way. That means our own wrong way instead of God's right way. In other words, we're lost and undone without faith in his son. God's salvation plan to sort out the mess. How? One person at a time. Now, isn't it great that God is not a distant, unapproachable, powerful force, but a personal God who desires to be in ultimate, intimate relationship with us corporately and individually. Yes, he's God, he's all-powerful, he's all-knowing, he's all-wise, he's sovereign over all. Yahweh is his proper name. Jehovah is his given name, his nickname. But his preference is to be known and referred to as Father, an intimate, emotional, loving, heavenly Father. He wants to be with us and walk with us and talk with us along life's narrow way. The psalmist said, I'm always with you. You hold me by the right hand. You guide me with your counsel. And afterwards you'll take me into glory. So he wants to be with us in this life and beyond. Now that's the introduction. Now the substance of the sermon. The psalm we read said, you guide me with your counsel. So let's have a look at some of these words of counsel. Three things to build our lives on. At school, we learn the three R's, reading, writing, and arithmetic. Well, the three R's of Christian living are relationship, rules, and running. All three important, but relationship, in my opinion, is the foundational R and the main subject of the sermon today. Why is that? Because relationship is essential to the place that both rules and running have in our lives. What's the relationship I'm talking about? God's relationship with us and our relationship with him. But before we get to relationship, let's have a look at rules. Very simply, rules to live by. Right living, righteous living. The Bible does contain revelation, counsel, if you like, about how we should conduct our lives. I like the little saying, God said it, I believe it, that settles it. That's how we should approach his rules. Psalm 119, longest psalm in the Bible, the whole theme of it is obey God commands, they're all good. Jesus said, obey the word of the Lord. Paul said to Timothy, set an example, young Timothy, in speech, life, love, faith and purity. And Jesus said, be holy. 
What does that mean? Live a life set apart to God. Here's the but. God's rules are all good and to be obeyed, but not to be our God or our glory. The rules aren't to be our God or our glory. The Pharisees of Jesus' time provide the best example of those who made rules their God and their glory. Now, you can't follow me on the screen, but follow me as I read from Luke 18, 9-14. To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everybody else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself. God, I thank you that I am not like other men, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. I obey all your rules. I added that last little bit, but that's what he was inferring. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but he beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. I know it's addressing the issue of pride and humility, but it's also addressing the issue of the fact the Pharisees' message was, it's all about obeying the rules. Obey the rules and you'll be righteous. Listen to what the Apostle Paul said about himself. Prior to his conversion, he said of himself, In regard to the law, a Pharisee. As for legalistic righteousness, faultless. After his conversion, he said, I consider everything a loss compared to the greatness of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord. I want to know Jesus. Now, I'm not saying that rules are not important and not to be obeyed, but that our obedience must flow out of a relationship and not regulation. Jesus quoted the prophet Isaiah and said, These people honour me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. I believe we could say, These people honour me with their law-giving, but their hearts are far from me. God desires heartfelt love. Jesus said, If you love me, you'll obey me. What came first? Love and then obedience. Jesus was asked, and you know the answer to this, what is the greatest commandment? He said, love the Lord your God. He didn't say, obey. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. So I'm declaring love for God is the foundational R. Let's go to running. God has a plan for our lives. He's gifted us individually to play our part. We're actually described as being parts of a body and each to serve as a part of the whole. But why do I call it running? Hebrews 12, 1. Imagine you can see it on the screen. Just listen. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us. Let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us. We all have a race to run. It's what we do in life. 
is how we serve God and people. Not long before Paul died, he said in his letter to young Timothy, I have fought the good fight. I've run the race. I've kept the faith. My picture, God stands with us all individually at the bottom of the mountain of life. He tells us, points and shows us the path he wants us to run on up the mountain. And this is what he says. There are many different paths. Stay on the one I've mapped out for you. When paths cross, shout encouragement to one another. The path will unfold as you run. I'll meet you every day and guide your steps. Don't be afraid. I love you. Go for it. Yes, we have a responsibility to identify our gifting and ministry and to exercise it in our service to God. Paul said, don't run aimlessly. Don't fight like beating the air. Run in such a way as to get the prize. Here's my second but. Like our obeying the rules and our running, our running is meant to flow from our relationship with God. I'm going to Matthew 7 and reading verse 22 and 23. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? Didn't we serve you? Wasn't our service amazing? Didn't we run the race well? I'll tell them plainly. I never knew you away from me. Sadly, our running, our service can easily deteriorate into self-serving and not God-serving. From humility to high and mighty, from humility to humbug. Some Bible examples of relationship and running. Jesus had risen from the dead. He's talking to Peter. Now, as you know, on the very night before Jesus was crucified, Peter denied Jesus. He denied his friendship with Jesus three times. Now, at this point of time, after his resurrection, he wants to reinstate Peter as an apostle. And he asked Peter three times, he said, Peter, do you love me? He said, yeah, I love you. He said, Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, I love you. He said, Peter, do you love me? And Peter, this time, is hurt. And he emotionally replied, Lord, you know how I love you. And Jesus said, Peter, now feed my sheep. God wants our running, the running of the race in life, to flow out of our love for him. I see this exchange and I see in it Jesus is saying to Peter, I want you to love first and foremost. Your running your race is to flow out of your love for me. Remember when the 72 were sent out uh, to minister uh, the gospel and they returned filled with joy and said to Jesus, Jesus, even the demons submit to us in your name. We've had an amazing time running our race. Jesus said, yes, that's great. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Rejoice that your names are written in the family album. Rejoice in your relationship with God. Remember Jesus said, come to me. And he said, put my yoke upon you, first come, relationship, and then run. The Pharisees say do, Jesus says come. Okay, that brings us to the R that speaks of relationship. Relationship speaks of association, connection, communion, partnership, sharing, and friendship. 
Christianity is not about robes, rituals, riches, ranting, rosaries, relics. It's not about religion. Simply it's about a relationship with God. Yes, rules and running are part of the mix, but they're to flow out of our relationship with God, our Heavenly Father. As I've stated, God is a relational God. His character, his charisma is clearly seen. He wears it on his sleeve. He has the heart of a loving, emotional, caring Father. In the beginning, we read that God would come and share with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day. Now, my take on this, Adam and Eve had a busy but happy day and, and God would come down, say, how are you doing? Had a good day? Enjoyed the creation? Animals behaved? And, and just chat. Then uh, after a high five and a hug, he'd head back to heaven. Jumping to the New Testament, the parable of the prodigal son, better called the parable of the loving father. The father watches out for, runs to, hugs, gives gifts, throws a party for his son. We know the father is God, the son, each one of us. The parable speaks of God's love like no other. God loves to be with us and for us to be with him. He said, ask and keep on asking. Seek and keep on seeking. Knock and keep on knocking. God is saying, I want you to bother me as often as you like. In Thessalonians, we're told to pray continually, pray without ceasing. You know what that means? God is listening continually. He's listening to us without ceasing. Revelation 21.3 reveals God's heart. It says God will dwell with us and we'll be his people. To me, it sounds like we're going camping together. He will provide the caravans and the tents, so don't worry. Haven't got time for that. It's good, but only been given half an hour. God's heart and hope. God's plan in creating humans, us, is that he might, we might, hang out together, a happy family. Sadly, as a human race, we've chosen not to do this. Isaiah 53, 6, we all like sheep have gone astray, each one has turned to his own way. And sadly, we read that on one occasion, God came to visit Adam and Eve in the cool of the evening. They didn't run to greet him. They hid because of their sinful behaviour. They'd made a decision to go their own way. A bit later, in fact, about 1,600 years later, we come to the story of the Tower of Babel. The people said, Come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves. The Lord said, Father, Son and Holy Spirit, the Lord said, come, let's go down and check this out. So my take on this, God the Father, God the Son and God the Holy Spirit, come down and stand looking at the building site. Everyone's busy proudly building the tower. No one bothers to look and see God standing on the sign line. In fact, they don't recognise the presence of God. In fact, they don't care about him. 
They want to make a name for themselves. Jesus summed up the situation when he quoted a prophecy from Isaiah. It's in Matthew 13. He said, You'll be ever hearing but never understanding. You'll be ever seeing but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears. They have closed their eyes. Otherwise they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts and turn and I would heal them. I think those words are relevant today. Have you noticed the words that flow from people's lips when they get a big surprise, good or bad? OMG. Oh my God. Have you watched those home renovation shows on TV? When the owner comes back to their renovated home, open the front door, what do they say? Oh my God. Are they actually thanking God? Are they aware of God? No, they're not. In my opinion, they're not thinking about God. They're just saying something. But my little sneaking hunch is it may reflect reflect the, the cry in the human heart to know God and, and actually thank him for his blessing. But it gets worse. John 1, 10 and 11 tells us, he was in the world and though the world was made through him, talking about Jesus, the world did not recognise him. He came to that which was his own, but his own didn't receive him. Jesus, the Son of God, came in the flesh to the family he loved and he wasn't even recognised and made welcome. However, here's the good news. God's heart has not changed in all this rejection. He still wants to hang out with us. But our sin has caused separation and wrecked the relationship. Now I'm going to say an awful but meaningful pun. Jesus hung on a cross and died so that we could be forgiven and hang out with God the Father, God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. He had a hung up, hang up so that we could hang out with him. Reading Isaiah 53, 6 again, but reading more than I have so far. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Jesus paid the penalty for our sins so we could come back into relationship with God. I believe this relationship is the primary goal of our salvation. And it leads to manifold blessings. But reconciliation of relationship is where it starts. God, we saw, is pretty happy emotional when we come back to the family home. We've seen that in the parable of the loving father. Other scriptures speak of this relationship. Now, we can't see them. No, hasn't come good. I said to David, don't worry, Jesus didn't have a PA or data projector and seem to manage. I'm not claiming to be anything like Jesus. Listen to this. <laughs> we read this, John 1, 11 to 13. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. 
born not of natural decision or a husband's will, but born of God. We become God's kids. We become God's kids. Is that good? Galatians 4, 6 and 7. Because you are sons of God, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit that calls out, Abba, Father. So you're no longer a slave but a son. And since you were a son, God made you heirs of all that God is and has. And that word Abba, an affectionate childlike expression of Father. He's put his spirit in our heart and that spirit calls out Dad, Daddy, if you like. Second Corinthians 6.18, I will be a father to you and you'll be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Listen to Ephesians. For through him we have access to the Father by one spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household. Now, Paul is addressing the Gentiles here and saying, you're now part of God's household, a part of God's family. You live under God's roof. What a privilege to be able to just rock up to God's front door, back door, wherever you like, and just go in and say, Dad, and he welcomes us. But it gets even better. John 14, 23, Jesus said, If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. He comes and makes his home with us. Well, God the Father and Jesus coming to our home. Doesn't that speak relationship, intimacy, friendship? It's God's heartbeat. And we know that Jesus said, Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. How about that? That's, that's just the expression of God's heart again. Now, I just think, how wonderful to have Jesus come in and have a chat, a coffee and a custard tart. Relationship, did you like that? Ah. All these scriptures speak of relationship with God. In fact, declare we are relatives of God. Relationship, relatives, we're in the family. Relationship, what does it mean? What does it require? Now, I've read this to you, but I'm going to read it again. Reading out of David Watson's book, Fear No Evil. Pastor, preacher, author of considerable notoriety. When he was 50 years of age, he was diagnosed with cancer. His fight for life began. The book describes the battle. These words that I'm going to read were written a year into the battle and a month before David Watson died. At about 1am on Advent Sunday morning, I had a bad asthmatic attack over and above his cancer. And just prior that, he had said, I was now literally fighting for my life. I looked more dead than alive. I had a bad asthmatic attack. In my helplessness, I cried out to God to speak to me. I'm not very good at listening to God. I love that. Here's this giant Christian preacher teaching. He says, I'm not really good at listening to God. I love his humility. But between 1 and 3 a.m., God spoke to me so powerfully and painfully that I've never felt so broken before him. And he said, I still do. He showed me that all my preaching, writing and other ministry was absolutely nothing compared to my love relationship with him. Our relationship with God 
is to be a relationship of love. We're to spend time with him, get to know him. Shouldn't members of the family know each other? The boy said to his mother, Mum, who's that boy that's always sitting across the table from me? She said, that's your brother. (laughs) Haven't got time for that. (laughs) As good as it is. How do we develop our relationship? Actually, we're not doing bad. Firstly, spend time together. Jesus' example. Obviously, he was getting to know his heavenly father as he grew up. My understanding is that his being the son of God, his mission on earth was revealed as he grew up in perfect relationship with God his father. By the age of 12, Jesus was very aware of his calling. He said to his parents, didn't you know I had to be in my father's house and about my father's business? Now, he wasn't talking about Joseph, his earthly earthly father in the carpenter's business. He was talking about his heavenly father's business. We read that Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favour with God and man. Remember when he's about to start his ministry? Have we come on, have we? Just a little twinkle. <laughs> a little conversation over here. Oh. Say it again. Parent 16, you're required in primary. Okay. Jesus is about to start his ministry. He was led by the Spirit into the desert. He spent 40 days in the desert alone with God. Now we're told that he fasted, but what more did he do? In my opinion, he was, he was just relating to his father. They were talking together about all sorts of things. And he was getting revelation, clarity about he, his ensuing ministry. Forty days just hanging out with his father, getting to know each other as father and son. I know they knew each other prior to his incarnation, but it kind of started a game for him. As I understand it, as he's born into this world, he had to get to know his father and who he was and what God had called him to do. Paul the Apostle, he gets saved dramatically when on his way to Damascus. Jim's been there, haven't you? Straight street. The risen Jesus had confronted him. Prior to this, he'd been opposed to Jesus and, in fact, was going to Damascus to persecute Christians. Paul had thought that he knew God and he thought that Jesus was a false prophet. He had some thinking to do. What did he do? Galatians 1, verses 15 to 17. When God, who set me apart from birth and called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not consult any man. Nor did I go up to Jerusalem to see those who were apostles before I was, but I went immediately into the Arabian desert and then later returned to Damascus and Jerusalem. So here's Paul. He's a mess. 
He thought he was the Pharisee of all Pharisees, and he was, and thought his relationship was God as he obeyed and he served as he thought was right was all wrong. He headed into the Arabian desert. Now, he didn't go to Jerusalem for three years. It's unknown how long he spent in the Arabian desert. He didn't consult. He just went and got to know God and Jesus the Saviour. Up to three years out there, just in relationship. Now, the point, spend time with God. Let me just share my experience. Now, I don't claim to be a Jesus or Paul, but in my own journey, I got to spend some one-on-time time with God. I became a Christian at 21, got married to that beautiful lady at 31. For 10 years, I was single, wanting to find the girl God wanted me to marry. And I can tell you, I had L plates regards to life and love. On six or more occasions, I rented a holiday house at Aldinga Beach and went away with the Lord. Just me and God. Didn't take my surfboard, nothing, just my Bible. God, me and my Bible. And, and you know, I holidayed with God. But doesn't the word holy day and holiday fit together? In fact, I think the word holidays comes from the fact they were meant to be holy days. Always invite God to be with you on the holidays. His company makes all the difference. And I look back and I can see these times I spent with God were formative to my Christian walk and my relationship with him. Of course, don't just spend time with God on holidays or when fasting in the desert. Jesus set the example. Stay in touch every day. We read Jesus went up the mountainside by himself to pray. We read very early while it was still dark, Jesus went out to a solitary place and prayed. We read Jesus prayed all night. We read Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. They were intense prayers. I bet he was kind of just had an awareness of God between those intense times. Remember Jesus' words? Come to me, learn from me. I hear Jesus saying, come and be with me. Let's talk together. Let's get to know each other. I've lots of good things to share with you. I think in the story of Mary and Martha, we hear this request of Jesus. Martha fussing over getting everything in order. Mary sitting at Jesus' feet. Martha got upset. It's not fair. I'm doing all the work. Jesus said, Mary has chosen the better thing. Why was it better? Because she was sitting getting to know Jesus. Sure, work has to be done. There are many responsibilities, but we need to prioritise our relationship with God. Now, I always feel sorry for Martha. I really identify him because I'm a bit of a Martha. It should be my middle name, David Martha Smythe. In fact, at one point in time, I, I was thinking I, I wanted to start a departmental ministry called Martha Ministries, but it didn't happen, thank goodness. Listen to the message translation of Matthew 11. Are you tired, worn out, burnt out on religion? Come to me, get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. 
So first point there was spend time with God. Second, be alert, attentive for his presence, his voice and his love. In Psalm 139 we read, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you're there. If I go and make my bed in the depths, you were there. Jeremiah 23, 24 says it succinctly. God says, do not I fill the earth and heavens, declares the Lord. So God is everywhere. So we need to be looking and listening for him everywhere. Be still and know that I am God is another one. You know, we can miss and seeing and hearing things because we're not looking and listening. Did you see that kangaroo? Nah. Did you see that sunset? Oh, don't tell me I missed it again. Did you hear that little bird? No, what little bird? It can be the same with God. A young man said, I can't see God. The old man said, I cannot not see God. So we need to start looking and listening and I believe we'll be surprised by what we see and hear. How does God come to us and communicate with us and fellowship with us? Through his spirit. His spirit bears witness with our spirit. Now it's not an audible voice, but it's a prompting of the spirit that then informs the mind. God's still small voice. So we should be like Samuel and say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Sometimes we have to stop talking and listen. He speaks through his word, the Bible. Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is living and active. God's word is God breathed, we're told. God will speak to us through it. He'll come to us through it. So we should open our Bible with open heart and open mind. It's God's book. It's how we get to know him. I love the fact that the King James Version of the Bible, the photocopy, out of mine, the Holy Bible containing the Old and New Testaments, translated out of the original tongues and with the former translations the diligently compared and revised by his majesty's special command. And then it says, appointed to be read in churches. I've crossed it out and said, appointed to be read everywhere. I copied that off a friend of mine. I thought it was so good. We get to know God as we read his word and books about him. Now, Bill Highbell's pastor of the Willow Creek Church in Chicago, has mentored me through his books over the years. I've read 16 of his books. I've heard him preach. I kind of feel that I know him and he's really self-disclosing as God is in his word. And so when Bill Highbells comes to the Seton Christian Family Centre and, and all upstairs and, and Bill Highbells is introduced to David Smythe, I kind of thought... He didn't know, but I thought, Bill, I know you. I know about your wife. I know about your kids. I know all these different things about you because it's been revealed to me. I've met you in your books. He's felt like an old friend. As godly men and women share their knowledge of God and experiences with God, we get to know God. But be careful, discern. There's lots of voices in the wind. Select your library carefully. People say to me, Dave, why don't you write a book? And I say, you go into Kurong and have a look around. The world doesn't need another book. <laughs> Ecclesiastes 12, 11 and 12. The words of the wise are like goads. Yep. 
their collected sayings like firmly embedded nails given by the shepherd. Yep, but be warned, my son, of anything in addition to them. Of making many books, there is no end, and much study wearies the bones. He speaks and touches us through people. Oh, it's my hope that he's speaking to you through the sermon today. He speaks through sermons. He speaks through our conversation. God will drop words in our general conversation. So we need to be listening for God's words. He speaks to us through actions of people, a smile, a kind deed, a wave. You know, sometimes it's just a smile and I feel God touch me. It's amazing. A wave. I always wave to people and then I get cross if they don't wave back. You know, I, I, I give way to them. I'm waiting for the wave. And if I get it, I'm happy. If I don't, I say, you rat bag. <laughs> yes, I know, Judy, that's terrible. Declaration of my sinfulness. Appearance, a love-filled face, body posture, just humility. Babies, beautiful miracles speak of God's love and wonder. You can't help but think, God, you're amazing, and, and, and relate to him as you look at a baby. Children, the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. Here's a thought for us. May God speak to others through us. God communicates and reveals himself and fellowships with us through dreams, visions, and prophetic words. We're told sons and daughters will prophesy. Young men will see visions. Old men will dream dreams. That's me. My dreams are never of God, though. They're crazy. Uh, but be discerning with regards to prophecy, visions, and dreams. Weigh prophecy, visions, and dreams carefully to see that God is, in fact, the one communicating. Songs and music, notes and words can carry God's spirit. Everyday events and circumstances. Be on the watch. God may be wanting our attention, having a lesson to share or love to touch us. He can speak to us. He can come to us through a movie. Now, Nat, our daughter, was down with our two grandsons. Sadly, we can't see them. They live in Avoca Beach, New South Wales. But they came down for a week. Nat went to visit a friend with little Taj, the youngest, and so we had the five-year-old Mason to look after. So we took him to the movie Peter Rabbit. God spoke to me through the movie Peter Rabbit about the power of love, forgiveness and relationship. Amazing. Sitting in the theatre and, and I feel God's presence and his voice and his embrace and his love. My favourite. This is the last one. I've written... Left my favourite and the most powerful and wonderful way to relate to God. And that is to share with him, to enjoy, to be taught by him through the created world of nature. Romans 1.20 says, Since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his internal power and divine nature have been clearly seen being understood from what was has been made so that men are without excuse. Paul is saying, hey, you meet God in his creation, and we can. God created it all for us to enjoy. Now, God, he's emotional, I've told you that. He enjoyed it. He, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, when they created it, said, hey, it's good, isn't it? It's really good. I know he loves to share the beauty and the blessing of creation with us. You know that too, I know. I'm not speaking, speaking to the unconverted. He loves it when we share our joy with him. He appreciates our thanks. 
What am I talking about? The hills, the sea, the sky, the sun, the stars, the rocks, the trees, the flowers, the rivers, the lakes, the animals, the insects, the colours, the sounds, the sand, the surf and the smells. Back in my surfing days, uh, I surfed at Cactus Beach on the West Coast in the Great Airs Peninsula. It's a beautiful place. It's now a famous surf break. Surfing friend and I were talking about God and he said, well, what difference does it make if you have a relationship with this God you're talking about? I said to him, you know when we'd paddle out back at Cactus with the warm sun on our back, blue sky above, yellow cliffs, white sand hills, blue water, stingrays drifting on the reef, seagulls overhead, beautiful waves pushing through. I said, how good is that? Yeah, well, that's good. I said to him, well, when you know who created it all with us in mind, when you know who to thank for it, it makes it all just the more wonderful. He nodded and thought about it. It's true. Relationship with God through his creation and sharing the joy of it with him is the best. Take a walk. And you do this, I'm sure, in the hills or down the beach with God. It's amazing what he'll show you and say. On my recent walk, I saw this little sunflower all alone on this big hill, standing tall, pink little blossoms or little petals. God said to me, David, bloom where you planted. I saw an old tree. Struggling to stay alive, big gum tree, half dead, but still, still leaves on some of the branches. God said to me, David, never give up. I was climbing a steep path and it was a bit slippery. And I grabbed this tiny little kind of tree and it saved me from slipping and helped me to move forward. God said to me, David, be thankful for the little things. I saw a little bird, so tiny, just happily bouncing around on the path and then into the grass. God said to me, David, don't fear, I'm near. God's artwork, so amazing, so encouraging. The artist himself, so good to know, so good to love, so good to be loved by. Finished with this benediction. Blessing. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.